With everything you have on your plate, earning your degree online seems impossible. But at Grand Canyon University, we specialize in helping you fit a master's degree in education into your busy day. Your graduation team, led by your own GCU counselor, provides you with the personal support you need to succeed. Achieve your goals with a plan and team behind you. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Visit gcu.edu. Introducing Bluehost Cloud, ultra-fast WordPress hosting with 100% uptime. Want a website with unmatched power, speed, and control? Of course you do. And now you can have all three with Bluehost Cloud, the new web hosting plan from Bluehost. With 100% uptime and incredibly speedy load times, your WordPress websites will be dependable and lightning fast on a global scale. Plus, your sites can handle even the biggest traffic spikes without going down or lagging. And with Bluehost Cloud, you get 24-7 WordPress priority support, meaning you're connected to WordPress experts anytime you need them. Not to mention, you automatically get daily backups and world-class security. So, what are you waiting for? Get Bluehost Cloud today by visiting bluehost.com. That's bluehost.com. Hello and welcome to the Money Nerds Podcast, where owning a calculator, budgeting your money, and having a net worth is actually cool. I'm your host, Whitney Hansen, and each week I'll be chatting with inspiring people to learn their secrets to financial success. Now let's dive into the show. Are you ready to talk about real estate? Because that is what we're talking about in today's episode. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode. I'm super stoked that you're here because today we're gonna get nerdy and talk all about real estate investing and what you need to know. The cool thing is this is more of a commercial real estate focus. So that's most of our conversation, which I don't think I've actually had... In fact, I'm pretty sure I have not had any episodes yet on commercial real estate investing. Definitely residential, but not commercial. So this should be a ton of fun. And I brought in one of my now friends, Monique Holm, to talk a little bit about this whole concept and how she's built an incredible business and a really impressive life with commercial real estate investing. So that is going to be our guest. And before I introduce you to Monique, I have to share my favorite segment, which is our hashtag money wins. Today's money one comes from Lisa. Lisa said, city card is at zero balance and I paid $2,000 today towards a loan. Hashtag money win. Lisa, I am so proud of you. That is incredible that you were able to make that much progress. And an extra $2,000 towards a loan is huge. So I'm super impressed and I hope that you are proud of yourself as well. Guys, if you are interested in hanging out with Lisa or other money nerds, then you need to be in the private Facebook group, Manage Your Money Like a Boss. That's where you can go. You can get support. It's a no assholes allowed zone. So you will actually be in really good company and people are really generous in there with their knowledge. So you will learn a lot. And I know that it's a really good place for you to feel supported in your journey. All right, so let's dive into Monique's background. She is the founder of Real Estate Investing Goddesses. She's an educator and an advocate for women to create real wealth through real estate with a mission to assist 1 million women to achieve financial freedom through real estate. She herself is a real estate investor. She's a syndicator and a developer with over 14 years of real estate investing experience in multifamily homes, uh, mobile home parks, which is always interesting, RV parks, flipping commercial vacation rentals, syndication, and ground up development. Together, her and her husband and her investors own over, get this, 
1,300 rental units across six states. That is impressive. She's also the number one best-selling author of Real Estate Investor Goddess Handbook and Wealth for Women, Conversations with with the Team that Creates the dream. She's also host of a really great podcast called Real Estate Investor Goddesses Podcast. So I highly recommend going and giving it a listen if you are interested in learning more about real estate investing. And she's also a real estate strategy mentor, a keynote speaker, a recovered attorney, avid world traveler, wife, and mother of three amazing kids. She is such a rock star. I was very motivated after listening to her and I thought it was so much fun to just to learn about a different side of real estate investing than I had even known. In this episode, you're going to learn why she focuses on educating women on real estate. I always think that's fascinating when people niche down by gender or demographic or some type. Um, So it's really fun to hear her answer to that. We talk about how cultural expectations can actually play a role in how we view success. We talk about how her appendix rupture led to a total career change, the house hack she used to get into real estate investing in a really expensive area, And this is really interesting. So pay close attention. You might need to rewind it a couple times during this specific segment. But we talk about cost segregation studies for multi-unit properties and bonus depreciation and why that's so beneficial. We also dig into what is deemed residential versus commercial properties and how that financing really does differ. The 1% rule for property investing and why she actually prefers B-class properties. This was so much fun. I hope you guys enjoyed as much as I did. I'm so excited to introduce you to Monique Holm. Wait, before we dive into this episode, do me the biggest favor. If you are liking this episode so far and you like the podcast, the greatest thing that you can do is to share it with somebody that you know. The best way to do this is to take a screenshot and tag me on Instagram. I'm at Whitney underscore Hanson underscore co. Let me know that you've been tuning in. It means the world to me and it really helps this podcast grow and get in front of more people. Thank you so much. All right, now on to the show. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode. Today I'm joined by one of my new friends, Monique Calm. Monique, thank you so much for hanging out. Thanks so much for having me. I'm psyched to be here. I am stoked. So we initially connected at FinCon in this little bar that was way too loud for its own good. (laughs) (laughs) And we started talking about real estate. So tell us a little bit about what you do today. Well, I... I do a couple of things with regards to real estate. Mostly what I do is I bring groups of investors together to purchase larger projects like an apartment building or a mobile home park. You can think of it as crowdfunded real estate. So okay. I crowdfund real estate. And then on the other side, I teach women how to invest in real estate. That's incredible. I love that you are doing this. And I'm specifically curious why the focus on women in real estate? Why? Well, when i first got into this game, well, I got in by accident, totally. But as I started getting more and more into it, and especially when I started to bring groups of investors together and do the education side, I just got like, wow, this is such an amazing way to build wealth. And it's also so time friendly. You you really get to... um, stop trading your time for money. So it gives you time freedom, it gives you money freedom, and that's perfect for women, but there were so few women that were in these rooms, that were in the game. I would go to these conferences, and um, I remember the first one I went to was 120 people in the room. Maybe eight of us were women. Wow. Uh, 
And then I joined this high-end mastermind. There were 20 people in it. I was the only woman. Um, and everywhere I looked, there were, I was one of the only one or one of very few. And I thought, this needs to change. Um, and the idea for Real Estate Investor Goss is my company actually came like the, as, as a divine download. I was at the, I was at a hotel gym one morning after a conference. I was on the elliptical, just thinking about everything I'd learned and who I wanted to work with. And it just came down and, um, the, the, the business idea, the name, the book I would write. <laughs> like all, literally all, all came of it. Down. Yeah, it was, it was uh, not all, not every detail, not all of it, but the, the <laughs> whole, I wish, you know, <laughs> it was, like, totally. it was uh, this is what you're going to be doing, but not with any specificity or clarity. No, <laughs> <laughs> of course not. Um, never like that. <laughs> no, I wish. Um, but that came, it came to me and, um, and this mission to help 1 million women create financial freedom through real estate. And, um, and I realized, I mean, there are two, th I, I was already working with women. So I started my career as an attorney, but then between doing law full time and uh, real estate full time, I became a coach. I was, a um, started off as a life and career coach. And then it, it ended up becoming an ab abundance coach, a money coach for women. Oh, cool. And, um, and then this real estate was an extension of that. And also I know, and there've been a lot of studies and they've, they've shown that when you give women more money, um, you get women more empowered financially, they give back, they give back to their families, they give back to their communities, it changed the world. So I knew that if I could help women have more financial success, I would be helping everybody. That is so, so smart. I love that too. And I love the stat that you tied in there too. I think that's really impactful. One of the things that I think is so interesting is um, I've paid attention to some of the real estate investors and I follow this. I'm, I'm, I would love to be a real estate investor. I'm not quite there yet. I'm working on it. We'll talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> but one of the things that I see so little of is yes, women, but more than anything, people of color. I'm not seeing a ton of people of color in the investing world. Is this just me being ignorant to this? Or is this really not as as much as I as we wish should see actually? Yeah, definitely. Um, people of color are super underrepresented as well. So you know, when I'm when I'm at most of my events, I'm, I'm like a unicorn being this black yeah. woman walking around. Um, there, I'm not the only one for sure. There are there are different women of color. And I have an event um, called the the wealth through real estate event. And I have a lot of you know, different panelists and amazing women that are super successful. And when you go to my event, I, I actually make a very conscious choice to to demonstrate that diversity. So on my stages, um, you know, there I have you know, Caucasian, Black women, Latinas, Asian women, um, middle so and gra from grandmothers to young women. So That's I really amazing. Because there are there are women of all of all shapes, sizes, colors, um, doing this, but there are so few of us. We can be so few and far between. It feels like none of us are there. No, I could totally see that. I think that's why it's so important for voices like your own to be educating people, because it's so impactful. Like when I see a woman kicking butt with real estate, I'm like, get it, girl! Like this is amazing. You don't <laughs> see very many women doing this, especially even in the syndicate world. So I think it's really interesting stuff, and I just want to applaud you for doing the work that you do. It's very important. Thank you. So let's dive into this. You're you're an attorney. 
you were working as an attorney and then mm-hmm. you weren't initially in real estate. What was your journey to real estate investing? How'd you get to where you are? Yeah, totally by accident. So I, I'm a first generation American. My parents are from Haiti and they told me growing up, they're super great parents, but um, told me you can be anything you want. And in parentheses, it was like, as long as you're a doctor, lawyer, professor, engineer, <laughs> <Totally>. <laughs> Because for them, like that was what success was. That was all they knew. Um, you know, like th- those are the most successful people in the society. And um, so, of those choices, I chose law. Um, and I went to law school, and I was in a went to a big law firm, partnership track, six figure income, uh, living the dream in theory. Mm-hmm. But I was absolutely miserable. Um, just to give you an idea, at one point, uh, my appendix ruptured. Oh my God. I remember it was a Tuesday morning. They don't know what causes appendicitis, but it's pretty much stress. I'm, I'm sure it was my job that was literally yeah. killing me. But I, so I ended up in the, at the ER and when the doctor told me that my appendix had ruptured. He said, you, you're going to have to be in the hospital for a few days. I ended up being in the hospital for nine days. And then he said, you're going to have at least 30 days afterwards of recovery at home. My first thought was, oh, thank God I don't have to go to work. Mm. And then my next thought was, oh, that, that's really bad. Right? Like I, I knew I was unhappy. I didn't realize how unhappy until that moment when, you know, being in the hospital with a life-threatening, excruciating illness was better than being at work. Um, and I knew I needed to do something different, but I had done everything right, right? I followed the exact path I was told to follow. And, um, and I didn't know what else to do. And I also had law school loans and, um, you know, just like, uh, the debt of a, <laughs> like, you know, six figures of debt. And, yeah, no doubt. and I, you know, and I just, I didn't know how to get out of it. Um, but I, I knew I needed to do something because this, this job was literally killing me. And I, you know, I went on this a path and I wish it was a straight path to real estate investing. It was not, it was a, <laughs> windy, a long and windy road. Let's just say that. But I, you know, I tried, maybe it's, a, maybe it's not, it's just this law firm. So, you know, different law firm, different types of things. Um, and real estate, I got into completely by accident because I, I was never taught, you know, the only thing I was taught really about money was you get the best job you can, right? Mm -hmm. But that was definitely a trading your time for money thing. And then um, put some money away into a 401k and buy your own home. That was it. Um, And so I went to buy a home because that's all, that's what I was taught. And then this was in 2005 in Los Angeles. And even then, this was towards the top of the last bubble, a semi-decent home in a semi-decent neighborhood was upwards of five hundred, six hundred, seven hundred thousand dollars. Whoa! Yeah, <laughs> this is this is not even. I'm not talking Beverly Hills. I'm talking a neighborhood where there's not drive-by shootings, right? So it's like not you know not like crazy, um, not nothing crazy. Very modest, a modest home in a modest neighborhood. Um, and even though I was, you know, I was 
making six figures, lower six figures, and, but not enough to get that type of house. Uh, and a friend of mine who was in a similar boat suggested that we buy a duplex together. He would live on one side, I would live on the other side. And I could afford half a house. So I said, yeah, let's do that. Um, but instead of finding a house with two equal sides, like we originally were looking for, we ended up falling in love with this one property. This, this old, beautiful craftsman. Uh, the, the downstairs, there's two units. There's um, The downstairs was a larger unit, the big yard. The upstairs was a smaller unit. Beautiful views, but smaller unit. And then there was a converted garage in the back. Um, so we, we bought that house and instead of each of us living in a unit, we each took a bedroom in the downstairs. We ended up renting out the upstairs. We rented out our basement and then we rented out the, the converted garage in the back. And before I knew it, we, we were house hacking. So basically our, our investors were paying our expenses. So and I went, smart. This is awesome. Yeah, it's awesome. <laughs> but it was not the it wasn't it was just like a happy accident. <laughs> I, I, wish, kind. I wish I'd thought of that and planned for that, but that was not how it, how it worked out. <laughs> but but you um, were wise enough to see the opportunity though. And I think yeah. so many of us are like, cool, but I don't want to do this for the rest of my life. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. I don't want to be a landlord for the rest of my life either, um, in terms of I mean, I like owning the property. I don't like managing properties. So, oh, you know, yeah. right now, my I have third-party property management and everything except for that house that I still own here in L.A. Um, and that, because it's a small place, I just manage it myself. And we have tenants that have been there for years, and they're fine, and it, it's, it works out fine. But for the most part, our properties, I don't manage anything. I don't have the keys. I never meet the tenants. I don't, yeah. You know, they... Our property managers do all of that because I don't want to deal with the three T's, the tenants, toilets, termites. I just, I like, <laughs> I like getting checks in the mail or in my account, like direct deposited, the money, seeing the money. And, uh, you know, I, I get the properties, but I don't, I don't manage them. Okay. So I, I'm like speaking for everybody right now. We're like, yeah, sign me up for that. You know, that's what we'll do. That sounds awesome where you don't really yeah. have to deal with it. And we just get some checks into our account. That sounds amazing. So let's assume somebody listening in wants to start this, this route. They're like, yeah, Monique, teach me how, what's step one. So step one to the, the passive way where you don't even have to deal with tenants, toilets and termites or yeah, let's step- go that. <laughs> <laughs> let's do it that way. Well, you know, there are, there are a couple ways in which you can do that, um, where you really don't have to do any property management. Um, the, the, I'll, I'll tell you the more common way and I'll tell you the easiest ways. Okay. So the more common way is you just get a property and you get third party property management. Uh, the numbers just need to make sense so that after you have the property manager in place, you're still making money, right? Uh, so you want your property to cash flow, but you buy, you know, you can, you buy the property and then you hire a property management management company who will find the tenant. They'll, if there are maintenance issues, they'll get a contractor, a handyman in there to take care of the maintenance issues. They, they'll deal with it. So you can, you don't, a lot of people think that if they have a property, they're going to be the ones that are going to get the 3 a.m. calls about a toilet. Seriously, and you don't it, you don't have to do it that way. Okay. And also in all of the years, it's been since 
2005 that I've been investing in real estate. I've never once had a middle of the night call about a toilet. So oh, <laughs> no, that's good to know. Uh, I had one call once in all of those years at around 1 a.m. There was something, but it wasn't about a toilet. <laughs> it was only <laughs> once in all of those years. So there, there, there are things that happen. And uh, I have, you know, there are uh, some of my properties. There's been a lot of middle of the night calls and a lot of craziness. So okay. don't get me wrong, but my, my property managers take care of that. Um, and and then the another way is there's something called turnkey turnkey houses. So if you, you just want a house um, and, and this is something that I've recently started getting into and offering to investors is basically the, so as a turnkey company, what we do is we find a house, we fix it up, we put in a tenant and then we sell it to another invest to a, the end investor with property management with the tenant already it's already making money mm. and they don't have to they don't have to deal with anything so that is that's called a turnkey house and they have different types of turnkey investments and those are great if you don't want to do the work um, and awesome. you, you just you want to own the property but you don't necessarily want to do all of the nonsense that you would if you had, you know, not nonsense, but all the work. Right? But yeah, it could feel that way though. Yeah. I, I think that's interesting. So I know for a lot of people, when you're looking at cost comparisons, I think turnkey sounds like a really awesome way to go. I can imagine there's extra costs and maybe maybe your cash on cash return isn't quite as high as just buying a property on your own and maybe doing the management yourself. Is that a true assessment? It depends on the market. So it's it's not as high as compared to what, right? So True. our turnkey property. So it, I li- well, let me back up. I live in Los Angeles. Los Angeles is a very expensive market, and it's hard to find properties that will actually cash flow here. Yeah. Uh, you're very lucky if you buy a property and you're making five percent on your investment, because um, it, it's just it's and you're you're investing a lot to to get that five percent. So our, you know, by comparison, we have these turnkey properties that are in Jackson, Mississippi, mm. so a much cheaper market, uh, but with good cash flow. So you can buy a prop. We we we're selling these turnkey houses at around sixty to seventy thousand. That's you know sixty to seventy thousand with a tenant installed, with the property management, and they're returning about twelve percent returns. Whoa. Uh, yeah, <laughs> so that's really good, and that's why I love them because they're they're these little houses that spit out cash, and they're they're super easy. And in most markets, you're not going to get that kind of return if you're doing all, even when you're doing all the work. So now, if for people who are in Jackson who know how to find properties and they can fix it up and put in a tenant and do and, and they do all that work in that market, they'll probably get a higher return. But you know, they they have to live there and do that. That is so interesting. Okay, so for somebody that's interested in turnkey, I assume they can just go to your website and learn more about the services you offer in that way. Yeah. So we we have a there's a tag for investor club, and if they fill that out, they can get more information about our turnkey houses and other opportunities. And the last thing I was going to tell you in terms of passive investing is for people who want to say own um, a piece of a larger property, like a apartment building things like that, then they can 
they can invest as well. It's basically like buying a share in a business. So instead of getting a share of Apple stock, right, you're, mm-hmm. you're getting a share in an apartment building and it's being run and it's managed and then you get a share of the cash flow and a share of the tax benefits and then a share of the appreciation and equity when we sell. Um, and so those are also, they can be a nice uh, cash cash flowing um, and, and uh uh, you know, deals and investments that can give you, you know, double digit returns. And, uh, but they're also passive and they don't take any time or require any type of dealing with the three T's. That's incredible. So if somebody's listening to the different options and we know, I mean, you can buy like your single family home, do the management yourself, you can mm-hmm. do all across the board. What's, what's the easiest way do you think for somebody to get started in real estate investing? Um, so I, you know, I, there's one thing I, I tell everybody that real estate is not one size fits all. So you want to start with what are your goals? What do you want to, and what do you, what do you want real estate to do for you? Uh, for some people, they want the passive cash flow. And that's their main goal. Some people, that's not their goal, actually. They have enough cash. You, you think, well, everybody would want that, right? Not, not that anyone says no to that. But some people, uh, I do have some investors that they have, they have enough cash. They're not necessarily worried about that. They want tax benefits. And they're, so there could be a deal that has really great cash flow, but it does, if it doesn't have great tax benefits, then they're not interested. Um, and I'll, and I'll explain some of the tax benefits of real estate investing. Mm-hmm. So a lot, a lot of people, you know, have the belief that the more money you make, the more you'll be taxed, right? Mm-hmm. That, you know, in this country, supposedly that's how it works. That is not really how it works. Um, there are certain types of investments like real estate and real estate is a, it, it's, very well situated in this way. And since Donald Trump's tax bill, it had gotten even like that much sweeter for real estate investors. Hmm. Um, not as good for other people, for some people, but really good for real estate investors. Uh, so oftentimes, even though you are making money through real estate, it ends up on your taxes looking like a loss. Okay. So it's like you've lost money, even though you are making money and that money not only are you not then are you not taxed on that income it helps offset other income and the reason it works that way you know one of the reasons and you can there are a lot of deductions and things you can take but the one of the main reasons why it works that way is depreciation so you know when you're um you're you buy a car and you drive off the lot. It's like, it's worth less than when you, bu- when you, you know, originally. Oh yeah, and- girl, I'm aware of that. <laughs> Darn it. Yeah. Over time that it, it looks like it's losing, it's, you know, it loses value. So when you are, you know, when you buy say an automobile for your business, um, if you're, you're self-employed or, you know, you have a business and it's a over, you get to, you get to depreciate the value of that asset over time and it, um, and, and get, you know, and use that loss towards other, um, against your income. Mm-hmm. Uh, they'll, if, if you, other types of equipment, other types of fixtures, same thing, right? You get to depreciate that. Well, real estate, even though 
in real life, over time, it tends to appreciate in value. It tends to be worth more. When you, for tax purposes, they will depreciate the value of the property mm. over a certain amount of time. So even though you're making money, you're, it's the pre, the, the building or, you know, the property you bought is depreciating in income and it's, and it looks like it's losing money. Got it. Uh, yeah. So that a lot of people didn't realize that that's, you know, that's a, a value of real estate. A friend of mine who's a super successful businessman, he had um, three multi-million dollar businesses, found himself owing $500,000 to the IRS one year. Ouch. Yeah. Ouch. Right. Um, and then he found out about this, you know, about real estate and how it could yeah. be used um, to, you know, to to lower your taxes. So he bought an apartment building in Memphis, Tennessee. He was making money. He was doing well. Um, but that apartment building brought his tax bill from 500000 to zero. Holy smokes. Yes. So a lot of people will buy real estate for the tax benefits, not just not for the not for the income. You know, the income so bonus. Sense. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, so then playing devil's advocate for a sec, uh -huh. I, I could see some people saying well, that's true. You're saving money on your taxes, but you still had to put money down into buying the apartment complex. Was it? Yeah. How did he well, let, how did he weigh that out? Well, let's say so I don't I I don't know the exact details, but sure. let's say he owed five hundred thousand um, to the IRS, but he bought and you know, you get the, the other thing. The nice thing about real estate is you can leverage. Right. So you're able to leverage. Let's say you put 20% down, um, 20%. It's usually a little bit more if you're talking about a bigger commercial property, but let's okay. say you put 25% down on this, on the, on the property. And it was a million dollar property. He put 250,000 down. Um, and the, you get to depreciate. So the bank put in 750, he's put in 250, but he's allowed to depreciate off of the whole million. Oh, right. So he's made, made money and then, um, and then gets the offset. So like within I, one I year. within, yeah, within a year now, now there's something called bonus depreciation and it allows you to, um, okay. Now we're getting really into the weeds, but okay. <laughs> I'm like, this is okay. so interesting. Okay, good. <laughs> I was like, I don't know how deep you want to go and I'm not a CPA. <laughs> That's okay. So I'm not, you you I'm could not be, but I've I've learned a lot about sure. about the about real about real estate because I'm a I'm I'm a money nerd and I'm a real estate nerd and I love to learn all of this stuff and study and I wrote my book and I my podcast and I'm just all real estate all the time. So, I love it. Um, well, there's uh, there's something called bonus depreciation, and um, and it it works with an, uh, another thing called cost segregation. So you can depreciate, so you depreciate um, a property over a certain amount of time and I don't remember exactly how, I think maybe a commercial building might be over 20 something years and a residential over 30 something years or it's the it's the reverse, I don't remember exactly. But you know, you, you can take a piece of that, you know, every, every year it loses a, a, some value uh, per the, per the tax code. 
when you do a cost segregation, let's say we buy an apartment building and we're fixing it up. So normally we would buy an apartment building that is undervalued where we could we could add value by it, you know the units could could be fixed up and the rents could be increased and there are ways in which we can make the property more valuable. So we buy the property and we start fixing up these units and we change out the flooring and lights and maybe do the kitchens and um, and so we start fixing up the inside of the property. Each of those, if we, if you do something called a cost segregation study, you can split up the the various parts of the inside. So, um, when they're talking about depreciation, they'll depreciate the building, and then they can depreciate the fixtures inside. Oh. Um, the land doesn't depreciate. Land doesn't depreciate, but the the building does, and then the insides do. Huh. What you do when you cost segregate is, let's say. Okay, I have the building, so that's going at a, a rate, but it's pretty slow. So it's over, you know, many decades. But let's say we put in new cabinets, and those depreciate over six years. Then you can you split that out, and you're depreciating that over six years. Maybe you put in some, you know, flooring, and that depreciates over four years. Um, countertops over five years. The lighting over three years. The faucets over, and then they these companies will come in, they'll split it all up so that those, you know, you're, they have different depreciation schedules. Well, under t- Trump's new tax law with bonus depreciation, you can take a hundred percent of the depreciation of all of that. Um, of all of those fixtures and improvements in year one. Oh my gosh. So all of those things that you've put in, you get to take all of that. So let's say you put in $5,000 worth of a new kitchen, you get to take five, you have to depreciate $5,000. That is so um, crazy. Yeah. So that's so on year one, your depreciation can just be huge. Um, and that's when you've put in the most money. That is like the best tip in the world. I love that. I didn't even know that was a thing. Is this for commercial and residential style houses? This is for an investment. Um, it, it may not make sense when you're doing a like single family house yeah. um, segregation study um, because you're you know, it it's just not that much out. money comparatively. <laughs> not that much money to to pay for the that work, but you know, when you're when you have enough scale, then it makes sense. Okay, that is such a killer tip, though. Okay, so my next question, I always get confused on this. How do I know what is considered commercial and what is considered more residential or single family? Yeah, that's a great question. So one to four units is residential, five or more units, and then pretty much the whole other universe of real estate is commercial. Okay. Uh, and it, the, what's important to understand is that when you get to that commercial, the way they evaluate, they look at the value and the way they do loans is a totally different animal. So one to four is probably what most people are used to they look at, they're going to look at comparables and then mostly they're going to look at you as the borrower to um to see if you're a good investment risk so they look at your debt to income ratio they look at you know they, they basically look at your credit score your your income your credit score your mm-hmm. debt to determine if they can um, they're basically making an investment in you Got it. when you're looking at five or more units you're looking at commercial they're looking more at the business. So they're looking at it as if you are buying a business and then the 
you as a borrower do factor into it, but they're they're mostly looking at the net operating income of the business. You know how how does that the will the business itself be able to afford the mortgage? Um, not they don't call it mortgage at that point. They call it debt service. But will the will the business itself pay for the will be able to pay for the debt? So they look at the 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 debt as compared to the income of the building. They look at the income um, for the for the value of the property, um, and so it's a little bit more focused on the the property itself. That the, sounds like a good thing to do. Like I'm just thinking because I'm an entrepreneur and being an entrepreneur, being self-employed is real tough when it comes to getting loans. It's just a pain in the butt. Yeah. So would that maybe be a better strategy if you have a decent income, but you don't have on paper, you don't look so great? Exactly. That's why, you know, so, (laughs) you know, because real, so I'm also self-employed and, and I just told you about the amazing benefits of real estate to make it look like your income is very low. Mm -hmm. Um, I, you know, I literally look like I'm on welfare when you, <laughs> totally <look> at, right. <laughs> when you look at my taxes. I actually could, I couldn't, um, I was trying, we're getting, we're trying to get health insurance and then we're looking to see if we, you know, under the, the, the Obamacare, you know, with the options and things like that. And they're like, yeah, your income's too low. Um, <laughs> like, what? <laughs> You're going to need to do the covered California, which is basically like the low income you know, <laughs> yep. insurance thing, which is which we are OK with because it's free and, you know, whatever. We're oh, like, OK, okay. <laughs> we'll take it. But it's kind of absurd that. <laughs> That's so funny. Yeah. So, you know, anyway, um, so it's it's a problem because we have we can't. Um, I, like it's very hard for me to get a conventional loan for for myself. It's hard for me to refinance my own house, but I can be on a loan like a, a thirty million dollar loan for a, an apartment building. So I can get that type of loan, no problem. But you know, that is so <laughs> weird. Isn't that like the strangest? You would think that you would. They look at you as a track record of like, okay, you know, let's back out some of the depreciation. And I'm sure they do some of that for sure. But still. Yeah. They, they do, but it's so, they're so, um, yeah, focused on like, what is the, and, you know, and so, yeah, we, we have been able to do it when we show them the PNLs and yeah. our, you know, like this is our business and we can do it, but just looking off of our, our tax returns, they're like, it's yeah, <laughs> we're not giving you any money. <laughs> yeah. They're like, ma'am, we're concerned for your financial life. <laughs> I know. They're like, can you afford to, I was like, I can, yeah, I can afford that. Just look so at, like, the thing is like, look in my bank account, right? It's like, they, they're, they're just so focused on the tax returns. Like, I, know. I have, I was like, I, I can buy this outright in cash, but yeah, that it is, doesn't matter. No, it doesn't. Okay. Yeah. So this is so interesting. So let me give you some context of where I'm currently at in my life. So I'm self-employed, have been for mm, two years now, officially. Um, and my fiance is normal standard nine to five job. So the house that we live in right now is a house I bought when I was 19. So we've lived in it quite some time. Good for you. Yeah. Appreciation. Amazing. I live in Boise, Idaho. So it's been a great market here. And so one of the things that we are looking into is purchasing single family homes or duplexes or triplexes. Mm -hmm. And 
Monique, when I'm running the numbers, and I don't know if this is just my inexperience showing, but when I'm running the numbers, I am seeing like, I mean, the cash on cash return is decent, but it's like a cap rate of about 6% for some of the properties. Mm-hmm. And I'm looking at this stuff and I'm seeing that it brings in about maybe $150 a month of profit. And in my head, I'm like, is that even good? Like, that doesn't seem like very much money. And so I'm trying to weigh this stuff out and I don't even know what I'm looking for, honestly. Yeah. So, you know, the, I guess it's, is that good as compared to what, right? Yeah. When you're looking at $150 profit, how much did you invest for that $150 a month? That would so, be like 50 to 60 grand. 50 to 60 grand for the property or 50 to 60 grand. That's no, that'd be my hate. down. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So <laughs> it was something crazy like that. I'm like, is that worth it? I don't know. Yeah. So, um, I'll tell you, they, they say the, the 1% rule is something that you that you want to pay attention to. So if you're, it, you know, with the price of the, the property, um, the rent should be 1% of that property or more per month. So on a, you know, $60,000 property, that it would be $600 or more a month of rent. Um, and if that's, if those are, that's a good starting point. Okay. So that's, that's where you want to, you want to be above that ideally. And then you're going to look at your, um, your expenses on that um, and, and see, and see what you can get, you can get back. So that is, um, yeah, 150 when you put in 60, 60,000. Um, so what is that for? I have to pull out my calendar. Know, me too. I'm like, 150 on. times 12. So that's 1800. Um, that's not very much money. I was like, oh, I feel like I go broke from that's that. A, that's a 3% return. That is not good. <laughs> what's a What's like, what's a good return? <laughs> like when you look at properties and you're looking at, I don't know, an average subdivision, average it, place, what do you look for? It's, it's all, it's relative, but you know, I personally, um, in what I'm doing, I like, I like having 10% or better returns. Okay. Um, you know, that's, that's what I'm looking for. Now it, it depends. So it's, it, some people, they like being able to invest in their backyard. Um, and they want, you know, and, and they're, they're more focused on appreciation. Again, that's what I told you like when you're looking at your, your goals. Mm-hmm. So for somebody who's going, you know what, I don't really need the money right now. Um, I like having places nearby that I can touch and drive to. And I want to, you know, and I, and I'm doing a long game. So I don't need, I don't even really need them right now. Um, as long as I, I get a little bit of money, it's paying for itself. I'm not losing money. And then at the end it's, they're appreciating and, and it's rising in value. Then that works for me. Okay. And for, and you know, and that's where you are, then, you know, you're like, I'm making through, I'm not losing money. And then if you're, you're starting there, but every year you can push the rents up you're, you're, you know, so you'll be making a little bit more money over time. Um, and then, you know, and, and then when you sell, if you're in a good market, that's appreciating, then you, you can, and your property is appreciated, then you can, you'll have more returns. I personally don't invest for appreciation. I invest for cash flow. Yeah. I think of appreciation as bonus, but appreciation is, not guaranteed. 
That's right? True. So people who were thinking things were appreciating and they bought in 2008, 2007, mm-hmm. um, and then their, their properties went down. Probably now it's come back, but there are some places that, that haven't really come back. So you, you just don't know. And then the other places didn't go down at all. So it's not, there's not a one market and, but I prefer, and I like, I like cash flow. Yeah. Me so too. I know that if my property is making money, then it doesn't matter if the value goes up or down because I'm getting money every month. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm with you on that. Cash flow to me is what I care more about for my financial independence route. Um, for you personally, so you've got real estate, that's your, your main gig. Do you also mm-hmm. do investing in the stock market on top of that or are you pretty much all in on real estate? I have I have a little bit in um, some accounts, basically in a, uh, you know, like a S&P 500 that just I, I own the whole market and I don't oh, touch yeah. it. It's it's in there and it's growing, but I, I don't do much with stocks. I wondered yeah. about that. It seems like it's usually one or the other for a lot of real estate investors. Yeah, I have I have some some money in the stock market. I don't necessarily need to have all my eggs and I and I don't have all my eggs in the same real estate basket. Right. But I I have a little bit in stocks because so, why not? <laughs> so for yeah. you, are you finding that if you take this stuff seriously and you get into some real estate and I presume there's some bad deals in there and there's some great deals in there, but mm-hmm. over time do you find that real estate do you feel more in control of that is that why you choose to do that over investing in equities or stocks oh yeah yeah for sure so you know for example we just closed on 250 units in a in atlanta in a b b class apartment building so b class is middle middle class okay um you know just but nice place it has a pool has a gym it's right across from great schools right so well well located property in a, in a really strong market. So a market, your location is that the top three rules of real estate are one location, two location, three location. <laughs> um, so you want to be in a market where jobs and population are growing. You want to be in a market, super diverse, um, uh, a super diverse economy. So not just, we've heard of, you've heard of that one factory town, right? Yeah. The factory closes down and then the town just dies. So you don't want to ever invest in the one factory town you want to invest in. And you don't even want to invest in a one industry town. So if it's all coal or it's all steel or it's mm. all whatever, um, and then that, that particular industry's fortunes go down, then so does the town. So you want to be in, a, in an area that has diverse industries, diverse economy. And um, and so Atlanta definitely fits the bill on all of those fronts. Uh, and then when you are in B class, so it's a B class apartment building, which means that it's a it's affordable kind of mid mid range apartments. People will always need that product type. People, you know, if they were in the nicest A class shishi apartments and they can't afford it, they're gonna go down to B class. Um, you know, and people when they're they're in the C class and their fortunes improve, they're going to go up to B class. People will always rent, you know, if there's a downturn in the economy and people lose their homes, they're going to go to apartments. There always are apartment renters. There's always um, people in that that demographic. So that type of I like that type of property because you know, okay, I'm always going to have a renter here. Yeah. And um, and I can I see that it's already making money, but if I can, 
I see that there's a way to improve it. It's making so the the buildings we buy, maybe the rents aren't aren't up to what the rest of the market is doing. So we know that if we go in there, we fix it up, we improve the management, the we can at least get it to the market and that we're going to build value that way. But then if you can make it even better than the market or the top of the market, then that's bonus. But at least you you buy it at a, at a discount um, and then you, you add value. So that's when I'm, when I'm talking about appreciation with the investments I look at, I look at forcing appreciation by adding value versus, you know, hoping for appreciation by what happens in the market. With you. Are you on some of those units, those bigger complexes, are you buying those, putting some value into them and then selling them? Or are you typically holding on to those? We will. So our business plan is usually to sell them in three to seven years. Uh, If we can hit our hit our goals for our investors, we'll sell sooner if things if the economy changes, which it will at some point. we can hold longer because they're making money. You know, they're, they're, they're just, they're cash flowing. So they're making money, but we buy things that are making money from day one. And then we, we look to in, improve, improve our cash flow through our, through our value add. That's amazing. How do you approach to when you go into, a, I could easily talk to you all day about this stuff, but when you <laughs> go into an apartment complex and you add some value into that and you have current tenants in there, do you, honor what they pay or do you say yo the rent is now increasing so we did all these new improvements or how do you approach that that seems like a delicate situation yeah so um it depends on on the market and you know but also where we go so my my philosophy is i only want to invest where we can make leave a property in a community better than we found it okay so that that's definitely our our goal and we don't want to go in there and and chase off all the tenants, you know, if they're good tenants, we want to keep them. So what we'll do is um, we will, you know, in certain cases we'll say, hey, you know, let's say they're paying a thousand a month. Um, you are paying a, a thousand a month. What we'd like to do is you're going to extend your, or, you know, when you renew your lease is we'd like to fix it up. So maybe we'll offer like a, a light, a lighter remodel, mm-hmm. but we're going to, repaint, maybe change out your appliances and do a couple of things. And then your, your rent's going to go up to 1100. Okay. Um, or, you know, or something like that. And then, uh, and they can decide to stay for higher or that, you know, True. Or, I think yeah. people expect that too. It don't, it almost seems like if they've been in a unit, they know as the market changes, so does rent prices. So I would imagine they, they kind of get that. I would think. Yeah. Well, there's a certain amount of, um, you know, increases generally you know the the market will bear it's usually going to go up three three or four percent um a year anyway so it, it, but it, it really depends on the market but you know some markets it, the rents have been have been going up six plus percent yeah, um, that's like where i year. live yeah but we we probably we wouldn't do that to an existing tenant that was that was great but we, we may say, hey, if we, we're going to fix up your unit and then would you like to come back for this amount? Or we can say, would you like to come maybe raise it $50? We're not going to fix it up or we can fix it up and then it goes up 100 Right. Or, you know, or then they may decide to leave, in which case maybe then um, we can rent it out for 1200 But we'd, we'd rather keep, keep a tenant in there if possible. 
I love this. I could literally, I could talk to you all day about this because I'm learning so freaking much. I'm also learning how much I don't know. <laughs> so that's why I've been loving your book. I think your oh, book is incredible. You. The way you wrote it speaks to people like me that have very little experience in this. So <laughs> I'm so grateful that you took the time to put your knowledge out there in a way that we can all digest and understand. Thank you for that. Oh, it's my pleasure. So, I like I like to take complicated things and make it simple, partly for myself. You know, it helps no, me to learn real. it. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. And so your book's called The Real Estate Investor Goddess. And it's a handbook, which literally means you can go through and take notes. And you've got sections for exercises and all kinds of really fun things. Where's the best place for people to get their hands on a copy of your book? Yeah. So they, you can, the best place is to go on Amazon and search for The Real Estate Investor Goddess Handbook. Perfect. Easy peasy. All right, my friend, before we officially part ways, are you down for some rapid fire questions? Sure. That you have Bring not them. been prompted on. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so my first question for you is I personally, this is just a weird thing. I'm obsessed with people's morning routines. So uh -huh. what is your current morning routine? Yeah, so I'm I'm obsessed with The Miracle Morning by Hal Elrod. So I wake up, I meditate, I will act and then I will journal I do the morning pages from oh, cool. the from the artist way so I just do three stream of consciousness pages um, and then I'll read a little bit of something um, I'll do some affirmations and visualizations and uh, then after I drop my daughter off at school I go work out love it that is such a beautiful morning routine Okay, so yeah. next question for you. What is one purchase you recently made that has made your life better? Mm. One purchase I recently made. Um, I don't know how recent, but my Apple Watch. I really do. Oh, yeah. It's really been helpful. Um, I, I just upgraded it, so now I can swim with one. Uh, but, yeah, I love seeing my rings and what what my exercise is like and it's kind of like keeps me keeps me moving that's good. awesome mm -hmm. yeah they are kind of fun okay yeah next question for you where is one location you're dying to travel to Ooh, well um machu picchu in peru for real yeah yeah that's me too really that's yes. top of my bucket list Oh my gosh. Yeah. You got to make it happen. You've got to make that yeah, happen. It's you. I know. And we'll, we'll travel together. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We'll go hike together and eat all the good foods and all yeah. that fun stuff. Can't wait. So yeah. last question for you. In your opinion, what is the secret to financial success? The secret to financial success is to create multiple income streams, most of which are passive. Bam. Beautiful. Monique, yeah. thank you so, so much for your time and just sharing all of your experience and knowledge with us. It's been awesome. And I've really enjoyed learning from you. Oh, thank you. It's been my pleasure. All right. For everybody listening in, where should they go to hang out with you online? Go to reigoddesses.com. There you go. You can connect with, I, you connect with me and all I'm doing. Love it. Monique, thanks again. I appreciate your time. 
All right, what'd you think? I love this episode. I thought it was so interesting. The part that really stood out to me was the differences in residential versus commercial real estate investing. Specifically, how residential, you can get away with a lower down payment, maybe 10%. You can do even a first-time homebuyer program where you can get into a property, maybe live in one side, rent it in the duplex. Like there's so many different options. But with commercial, the cool thing is you have to have 20% down. That's not so cool. But the cool thing is that you can actually start to look at the properties based off of their cash flow. So it's not directly tied to your personal income necessarily. That I thought was super cool. That's a huge, huge advantage for a lot of people, especially if you don't have a ton of money or maybe you don't even have a great credit score. You can also look at it from that perspective of how do I get into commercial property with 20% down and have it tied to the property's cash flow. That's super awesome. All right, guys, that was my big takeaway. I'd be curious to hear what your takeaway was. Send me a message and let me know. I'm at Whitney underscore Hanson underscore on Instagram and let me know what was your takeaway. Anyway, thank you so much for tuning in. I appreciate you. I love you. And I hope you're having a great week. I will see you on Friday for Five Tip Friday or next week for a very normal episode of the Money Nerds podcast. Bye. credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. 